0: He's like, well, I just started this dog thing. And do you like dogs? He's like, I love dogs. Who doesn't love them? And he's like, well, we're starting there. We're wanting to expand soon. Let's get you started in at, at an entry level and see if you something you like. And if you like it, we'll see what we can do, get you trained up and into a bigger role. So he got me a job. I started out at the bottom. Like I was what they call a pack leader, uh, just so I could learn the business where I just hang out with dogs all day. I would show up in swim trunks and sit in the dog pool with all the dogs and hang out and kind of worked my way through the business, learned it. And when they wanted to expand, they wanted me to go open up those new stores. So
1: Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence.
2: Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening and thank you for telling your buddy who's wondering what to do for a living about the show. We'd love to have more listeners and today we've got a great one. We've got Nick Bear in his early 20s is already a company director. He's going to talk about understanding the problem, really understanding it before you try to solve it. He's going to talk about how he found his career and how his drive to make others lives better helped and don't look for what you want to do, look for who you want to be like. And if you want to talk to Nick Bear about it, you can find him at LinkedIn at Nick Bear. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Nick Bear, it's been a long time, well, not too long since I saw you, but it's nice to see you again and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Good to be here. Well, I'm going to start you off the way we always start off what is your definition of excellence
0: for me? Honestly, like I live my life by one rule and it's just making, I guess everyone's lives in the world a little bit better, like with every interaction you have. So like you see a stranger, smile at them. If you're working with someone, teach them something new, or if you're with a significant other, give them something nice. And if everything you do makes someone else's day a little bit better, you're living an excellent life. So so it's a com- it's the combination
2: and frequency that makes it excellent. Kind of, yeah. Well that's a, that's an interesting definition. I haven't heard that before, but I'm going to just go with it. I kind of like it. Everything you do makes someone's life better. So someone that just does one thing once a year, that's not excellent. But if all day every day you're just moving around making everybody's life better, um you're living an excellent life.
0: Yeah. I mean that one person you walk by in the street if of- they're having a bad day and you just happen to smile at them and wave or nod or whatever. And that makes their day a little bit better. You're doing something good. You know,
2: you just wait till you have a 17 year old daughter. Because <laughs> you're going to catch hell for that. I like to, I like to treat people that way, but I catch hell for my daughter. Why did you smile at that lady? Get what is wrong with you. She doesn't want to see you smile. And especially if they're young, if they're in their twenties and you smile at them. Oh my God. Don't ever do that in front of a 17 year old girl. But we're not talking about that today. We are talking about your career, which is interesting. Um, You went straight from college into the Wolf's Play play and Stay business, which is just interesting. And I love having some crazy type of um, jobs out there. And I don't know how anybody would have thought of this, but you're working in acquisitions. You're identifying targets. You're in business development. You're in operations. Um, So I want to talk about what you do and how you got there. But let's go way, way, way back to... Um, McLeod High School near Lawrence, Kansas. If you're listening from Lawrence, Kansas, get in your car and drive over to Manhattan, Kansas and try Varsity Donuts. We've talked about it many times on the show, how great Varsity Donuts is, Nick. And Nick knows how great Varsity Donuts is, too. What was life like for you in high school? What were you doing? Did you know to get ahead?
0: Um, Yeah, so high school, McLeod is tiny. I think there's 700 people that live there. If you want to eat something, you get pizza from Casey's. So it's it's a small town, but a lot of sports, a lot of clubs in high school, um, played a lot of basketball. Um, I was a big fan of all the math classes, so I took as many math classes as I could. Took all of our business classes, if you can count them as business classes. They were four or five people in each one, but anything I could do to get around the world of business, that's what I did in high school.
2: All right. And so did you do well in high school? Were you shining and, uh, and one of the top students or what, what where were you at in high school? Did you, did, did you start getting work experience, uh, besides the clubs and the sports, what else were you doing to get ahead or were you not getting ahead?
0: Yeah. Uh, I had my first job when I was like five, my, my family had a farm. Um, so as a kid, I got shipped out there every summer and picked up sticks and helped cut thistles. And, collected scrap metal around the farm to sell so I could buy fireworks that summer. So I started working really young. I think I was, my first job was for my grandpa and he's paying me $4 an hour. So um, I started pretty young, but other than that, yeah, I just worked all throughout high school. Um, started my first, I guess, real job um, sophomore year. I worked at Schlitterbahn um, where the place that had the world's tallest slide here in Kansas city. I saw
2: the special on it. it. The slide shot off into oblivion, didn't it? They, they misjudged the
0: engineering. Yep. Someone, someone actually died on <laughs> unfortunately. So they shut it down, but no, I started, that was my first real job. Just being a lifeguard. I'm sure a lot of people had it, but um, I never really liked jobs. I always wanted to start my own business. Like one of my first, I guess, businesses I started in, it was in middle school, um, when they started having to put all the healthy snacks in the vending machines, um, I would buy a bunch of honey buns and pixie sticks and Mountain Dews and all that stuff. And I would keep them in my locker and I would sell it to all the kids who didn't want to buy healthy snacks. So I always just like being my own boss. I didn't really like being told what to do, if you will. So try to make a dollar wherever I could doing stuff like that.
2: Okay, so it started early. You were working hard, picking thistles uh, when you were a kid for four bucks an hour, which is way more than you were worth. You had lots of various different jobs, but you had that anything in business, that same thing you were doing in school, you're doing in your personal life, anything in business. So you're trying out different jobs, you're cutting deals. And then you move to Manhattan, Kansas, home of Varsity Donuts, everybody's favorite grilled cheese sandwich with the corn dog inside shop. What was life like in, uh, in college?
0: It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I always say I got my college works degree there because I did college work starting my freshman year and did that for four years. So it was a lot of fun, though. Um, spent a lot of time on college work, spent some time at school and spent the rest of the time at Varsity Donuts, like you said. <laughs>
2: Okay, so I didn't realize that you started as a freshman. I knew you were there for a long time. And I, we used to say, you're not allowed to hire anybody that's a freshman. And then we kept having freshmen uh, do wonderfully. And then we never would let people come back, you know, multiple times. And then we decided that was a dumb idea too. So you were, um, you were a manager just
0: one time or were you a manager more than once? Uh, I was a branch manager my freshman year. And then I moved up to district manager the following.
2: Um, and usually we're we're now doing two times in the in the manager position. All right, so you're in college. You dive straight into running a business with college works. You're going to college as well. What was your degree
0: in? Um, honestly, I don't. It's something business related because when I was doing college works, I moved to Arizona my fourth year, and I switched to online school um, through case State. And I switched my major every semester. Like It started in business, like marketing, switched to management, switched to accounting, switched to finance. Because like for me, I always wanted to run my own business. So like I would learn a little bit about that subject. And I'd be like, oh, that's what I need to know to run a business. And then I would move on to the next one and so on and so forth. So when I moved back from Arizona, um, after my fourth year of college work, so I asked my advisors, like, hey, I want to graduate this semester. I have a job lined up. Like, just enroll me in whatever gets me out of school just so I can say it's done. And All right, okay. So uh,
2: you have a business degree. You have a business passion. You're in high school. You like business. And then you go do this weird painting thing, which, you, you know, to learn business. Now you're four years of college works degree, four years of business. And you come out and that job that you had was in the dog hospitality industry. Okay, so here's where we get crazy. Because people are wondering what to do for a living. And like, I've got a goddaughter who lives in Arizona and she doesn't know what she wants to do. She graduated from college. How did you pick the dog hospitality industry? And then we're going to get into what you do because what you do is you're basically scouting for business locations and viable businesses. So you brought business into the dog hospitality industry. How did you come up with that idea?
0: Yeah, um, so in college, I think it was one of the things Sean, who was the vice president of the Great Plains College Works Division, told me, but it, it wasn't so much look for a job, but look for someone you want to be like. So one of my mentors at K- Kansas State was this guy named Dave Dryling. He owned a clothing company that he started in college and sold it to Haynes. Um, now he owns a multifaceted business where they have like 30 Freddy's frozen custard franchises. They have this Wolf's play and stay dog daycare. Now they have a Wagyu beef ranch in Manhattan, Kansas. Like he just does a little bit of everything. And for me, I always wanted to do something like that. So I found him and I asked him like, Hey, can I just like bug you every week or every month or whenever you have time and just pick his brain? And, uh, he was kind of my mentor. I'd throw questions at him. We would check in every once in a while just to see what he was doing and what I could learn from him. And when I moved back, when I moved back from Arizona, I just reached out to him. I was like, I just want to work for you some way, somehow. Like, I just want to be like you someday. And as close as I get to you to learn from you, I'll do it. Um, so he just started licensing out these dog daycare facilities called Wolf's Day. And He's like, well, I just started this dog thing. And do you like dogs? He's like, I love dogs. Who doesn't love them? And he's like, well, we're starting there. We're wanting to expand soon. Let's get you started in at, at an entry level and see if you something you like. And if you like it, we'll see what we can do. Get you trained up and into a bigger role. So He got me a job. I started out at the bottom. like I was what they call a pack leader, (laughs) just so I could learn the business where I would just hang out with dogs all day. I would show up in swim trunks and sit in the dog pool with all the dogs and hang out and kind of worked my way through the business, learned it. And when they wanted to expand, they wanted me to go open up those new stores. So, All right. And that brings up the age old saying, it
2: doesn't matter what you know or who you know, it matters what you do with what you know and who you know. So you knew a guy who gave you a chance because he knew who you were. Um, If you were screwing around in college, if you were not on the path towards excellence, he wouldn't have given you a job probably. And then you get the job and you could screw it up and get fired, but instead you're constantly diligently working, learning the industry and moving your way up. So it doesn't matter what you know, or who you know, it matters what you do with what you know and who you know, you prove that. And then I love what uh, Sean told you, don't look for what you want to do, look for who you want to be like. So you found someone, this is just a couple of years ago, right? You found someone, you wanna be like this person, Um, they're a good person, you're talking to them, maybe they have that same definition of excellence that you have, everything they do makes someone's life better. You sit down and have a conversation and now a couple of years later, you're a director of the company. You're going all over the, mostly the Midwest, but all the way into California. I'm helping them find locations and vi- new viable branches of their business. Not a franchise, but similar to a franchise. They, they own it. So you're buying or leasing properties. You're identifying locations. Um, what What are you doing on a daily basis as a director of this new company? It's basically a hotel for dogs, right?
0: Yeah, they do like dog daycare, boarding, grooming, anything dog related. Well, you're
2: in the hotel business, but you're in the hotel business for animals, which is interesting. Interesting. If you like animals, why not build a business around animals? If you like to travel around and check out things and you like math, why not look for locations for the hotel for animals? It sounds perfect to me. So what do you do? uh, What do you do on a day to day basis?
0: Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I look at my calendar and do whatever's on it. Um, so a little bit, I mean, all the new, I have a couple like businesses under my umbrella, if you will, that I manage. So right now I have about 30 or 20, 30 employees that I manage directly. And those are two different businesses right now. So making sure they're okay, make sure the team's doing okay. Make sure the, st- the stores are operating um, as well as making sure their financials are looking good. So doing their dashboards and sending them to the owner so they know kind of financially how we're doing on a week-to-week, month-to-month, quarter-to-quarter basis. Um, I always have a time slotted in each week to look for businesses that are for sale. So just like there's Zillow for houses, there's actually websites that just list companies that are for sale all over the United States and the world. So just scouring that every week, seeing if there's any new opportunities at Um, kind of fit into our uh, portfolio if you will and just a little bit of everything honestly it's my my favorite thing to say is I'm a jack of all trades a master of none and everyone thinks that's the whole saying but the one thing that you learn at college works you learn in school is if you really want to get somewhere you got to learn a little bit of everything Um, you can't just be good at one thing because that whole saying actually is jack of all trades but Master of none, but it's better than being a master of one. So that's one thing that I learned is just be pretty good at about everything, and you don't really have to master anything and get a lot done. So kind of applies to what I do now—a little bit of everything. Is
2: that the the phrase?
0: A jack of all trades is master
2: of none, but better than being a master of one. Yep, I never no, heard
0: that before. Yeah, no you one, hear no one remembers part. the. Yeah, no one remembers the back half of that saying
2: wow okay yeah they t- they turned the meaning of it around
1: are you enjoying the show thus far we go through so many resources and links with this podcast it's tough to keep up i get it that's why matt and the rest of the team put together the edge of excellence bundle in it you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show Things like disc assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence Bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now back to the show.
2: Okay, so this is a great episode. If you're listening, you want to know what it's like to run a small business. So we got Nick here two years ago, like right at, right at the start of COVID. So is that two and a half years ago? I don't even know how long it's been. It's 100 years ago, I, nearly three years ago. This right around now, Nick graduated from college. Well, this plays a little bit later. So right, right around May, Nick graduated from college in 2019. He goes to this guy who's been a mentor. So he's following that path that we talk about on the show. Uh, look at who, you circ- who you're circled with. Um, you are the sum of your five closest friends. He finds a mentor. He's talking to the mentor, learning from the mentor. finally says, hey, dude, I just want to be like you. Can I come work with you? The mentor's got a weird business. Is it a dog business? Is it a, a daycare for dog business? Is it a grooming business? No, it's none of that. It's hospitality business for dogs. That's a bigger business. That's keeping them overnight, keeping them during the day, grooming them, maybe veterinary, who knows what it becomes. Just like a hotel, you just keep adding, adding, adding. He's in the hospitality business and he moves his way up to director. And now he's running the small business. So you did it at College Works, but we were doing the back end for you. We're doing the finance and accounting and warranting and customer service. You didn't probably, well, maybe you had 30 employees there too, but not all year long full-time, all the time. So he's running every aspect of a small business, which is finding customers, finding employees, putting the employees in the right seat, managing employees, doing the finance, doing the accounting, sending reports to the shareholders. And then because they're growing, he's in the business mergers and acquisitions business too, identifying projects, identifying prospects vetting them through some sort of decision filter, deciding what to buy, making sure they have the money to buy it. That's what it means to run a small business. So um, did college College CollegeWorks prepare you for some of that, all of that? Where did you get the preparation for this?
0: A lot of it, honestly. Uh, A lot of it came just from leadership. I mean, you you have to learn how to be a leader at a young age in CollegeWorks, which was really helpful project management was huge, how to run multiple projects, customer service and sales is a big thing. Um, not a lot of people understand how much sales goes into your daily life, um, whether you're interviewing someone, um, whether you don't actually have to be selling a product to be using sales. You learn a little bit about budgeting and like accounting, uh, just from reading your P&Ls, and making sure you're going to make money. Uh, it's kind of fun way to learn about it in CollegeWorks because that profit line is pretty fun to look at, um, as the summer goes on. Uh, but a lot of it, honestly, uh, I learned from college works just about everything. I, when I was going to school, I would always use my college works experience to translate what they were teaching in a class. Um, cause I hate learning from a book. So doing in college works is like a hands-on way to get a business degree, if you will. So you would sit there and use the
2: filter of So they're talking to you and you're putting it into problems you've solved at work or interactions you've had at work to try to make sense of that?
0: Yeah. My, like my first accounting class I took came after my summer of college works and my first management class came after my first summer at college works. So, cause I started at 18, I was taking all my gen ed courses. For uh, school, but by the time I was getting into my business classes or more specific stuff, like I already had one two years into college work. So when they were teaching me stuff, I was like, "Oh, I did that. Like that's what it's called," or "Oh, that's where that line on the P and L goes." I didn't know that, so I kind of had real world examples and actual tangible things that I did that I could apply to what I was reading in these books or on powerpoints. That's interesting. My my son had a real hard time with stats. And
2: I, and my goddaughter, like I said, just graduated from Arizona and she had to take all these math classes. And I was saying, God, you're going to use this math all the time. You're going to use the stats all the time. I'm never going to use it again. I hate it. If you flip flop it and you do it first where you're like, God, I wish I had more knowledge of this and then got the classes in one it, you, you're maybe more motivated Two, it's easier to understand. And that's why they say you've got to go work a couple of years before you get an MBA. They want you to get your mind working and you, you I, you'll see the little voids, the little areas where you need to bridge a gap where you don't understand. And then the, the class is more necessary and more easy to understand. That's cool to hear. I love hearing that. So, uh, um, you're doing this experience at such a young age, you're trying all this stuff out, uh, in business. And, uh, what did you say? You learned leadership, you learned project management, running multiple projects, uh, you learned sales, you learned service, were there this? This is a question uh, I was asked by Joe Norwell to ask every guest that ever worked at College Works. Not every guest worked here, um, but I'm supposed to ask this What was the biggest problem that you had um, that you can remember? How did you solve it? And how does it relate to a problem later in your current role? Um, just in College Works? Well, you know, most of the people that listen to the show don't work at College Works, they're doing other things. It's just career exposure. So now they're starting to understand that. You can take, and I was thinking about this the other day. You got to get a passion and put it into work. If you're passionate about something, like you love animals, it makes it easier to go to work. So they're thinking about what their passions are. They're writing down um, notes on job on their job hunt, and so they're trying to put it together. And so, if you think about in business at college, work you're in business at a young age in college. There were all sorts of bad things that happened that are really good things. Learning learning experiences. What was one of the big ones? How did you get through it? And then did it come up again later in life in your new, in your new role as a director at the Wilts Group where you're like, oh, yeah, I've done
0: this before. It's not that big of a deal. I would say it's not really a big one, but it happened a lot at a young age is trying to solve a problem before you understand it. So when a customer at works came to you and you messed something up, which happens, you're an 18-year-old kid trying to paint houses, right? trying to solve their problem before understanding what they're mad about. So like if you got overspray on a window or you didn't, a paycheck didn't come on time for an employee, like until you really need to, until you, you solve the problem, you need to understand it. So what are they mad about? What's making them angry? What are they looking for in a solution? And fully understanding and asking those questions before you jump in head first trying to solve it. Um, because you may end up trying to solve the wrong problem, or you may not find the root cause of the problem. So that's something I have to use a lot now. Like when we acquire a business and having 30 employees looking you in the face going, who the hell are you? Why are you in our store? And going, "Are your new boss, listening to them and understanding what they're feeling and talking to them about their worries or their concerns before we go. In and tell them like, Oh, here's all our plans for the business. And here's how we want to prove, like, we want to understand them, understand what they're doing, understand their concerns before we make a single change. Um, so that's something I learned in college works just from talking to customers and having my first employees as painters is trying to understand where they're coming from and what the issues are before trying to solve it for them. Okay. That's cool. So as a
2: manager and as a district manager and expanding <clears throat> college works to Arizona, You made a mistake a few times. You didn't listen. You didn't spend enough time asking questions. You start working and you made the problem worse. You learn that by the time you're 21 or 22 and you graduated from college. And then you show up in a new company and you notice the same thing. You got customers in every company. You got employees in every company. You got problems in every company. So you realize, okay, I've got the skill set of figuring out what I'm trying to solve before I solve it. But you've expanded. We say expand your comfort zone. you expanded your comfort zone, and now you're dealing with acquisitions and new companies and new locations, so you add a little extra wrinkle to it. But it's the same problem. It doesn't scare you. You seek first to understand before you're understood. That's actually a good reminder. I might have to clip this little part out and play it in my – in my car on the way to work every day understand the problem before you try to solve it and you can make them worse right you're sitting there trying to solve a problem and you don't or or uh, make a customer happy and they're getting more upset because you're doing the wrong thing if you haven't asked the right questions right
0: mm, people just want to be heard you know so if they're coming to you with a problem nine times out of ten they just want to be heard so giving them that chance is really important. Wow.
2: And uh, um, what's, the, what's the biggest issue you've had trying to integrate a new group of employees into, into the, the Wilts group? Or if you want to answer a different question, what's the, the easiest time you've had, the, the easiest
0: success you've had? I'd say one of the easier ones is we just recently acquired um, a new store. And uh, a lot of them we had a lot of changes we want to make to the store and improvements and whatnot. And before we even brought up the ideas that we had, we were meeting with every team member, every manager, all that. And they just kept bringing up how much they wanted to change the store and how much they wanted to improve the store and everything that they were saying is stuff that we knew we wanted to do. So we were like, okay, like this is a great idea. We'll look into that knowing that we wanted to do it anyway. So it was pretty smooth and that's just coming from, Kind of what we were talking about, like giving them the chance to speak and speak their mind. Well, a lot of their ideas are things we want to do. And now they're just going to have even more buy-in because it came from them. Yeah. uh, You know what? I find alignment a lot. I think people naturally feel like,
2: okay, they're not thinking the same way as me. But again, back to your point, you seek understanding. First, I always find with my business partners, and there's a lot of them, we're aligned with employees. We might be aligned with customers. We're probably aligned. We think we're not. Like I want to do a good job. They want us to do a good job. I agree we made a mistake. They agree we made a mistake. We have the same solution, but moving slowly and trying to understand and listen prevents any flare ups or any problems. So you could have come in and said, we're going to change everything, change everything, not interviewed everybody. So uh, shout out for communication, not interview people, not talk to them. I'm sure they tweaked what you were doing, made it a little bit better. And a group effort and a group discussion creates a better product than just one person or two people getting it done. That's amazing. Now I do have a, my favorite question. When you go back in time, well, first of all, uh, you're, I I, I'm not supposed to talk about people's age or anything like that, but you gotta be what?
0: 24. Yeah. Or 25. Just turned
2: 25. Just turned 25. Um, almost three years out of college. Are you surprised that three years out of college, you're in this role that you're in and you've got this
0: title that you have? Thankful, I guess would be the word. I always knew I wanted to do something like this. And I thought if I put my head down and did the work, I could get here. But I wouldn't say surprised, but I'm definitely thankful that I got here so early. Okay, thankful. That's a good word. Um, By the way, I, I
2: was surprised because I was a screw up and you weren't a screw up, so Congratulations! You can be thankful if you're listening right now. We had an episode recently, and uh, 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 Montano, what's his name? Montano, I, Isaac, I, Isaac, Isaac, oh, Isaac. Yeah, he's, he said he was quoted jackass when he was young. Um, Love Isaac. So if yeah, if, and he's not a jackass anymore. If you're a jackass <laughs> when you're young, you can turn it around. If you're not a jackass, you can be thankful instead of surprised. What a better place to be. And then uh, if you look back you probably made some sacrifices throughout your time when you were growing up in high school and then you went to college. There was, I mean, working at college works, you probably made some sacrifices and I don't know about you, but I remember some of them. And I think, God, I'm glad I did that. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self what, you know, that's about to make a decision to make a sacrifice, do it, do it, do it. What would that sacrifice be?
0: Taking time to plan your time earlier on. So I'm, I'm a, Sucker for time management. I think it's the most overlooked but useful skill in the world. Uh, but taking that time at a young age to plan my time helped me a ton. Because, like you said, in college, works every weekend. You're out marketing, doing estimates, hiring painters. Right now, we're taking over a new business every month. It seems like, and everyone always asks me, like, how do you have the time for that? Or my girlfriend always goes, how do you get all this stuff done? Um, but taking time, so. Sean told me, and my district managers, Cody and Tyler, when I was in college, told me like every Sunday I would sit down an hour and plan out my week and go, What do I need to get done? How much time do I need to do these things? So in college, it was homework, tests, studying, uh, setting up estimates, doing interviews, and making time for myself. So planning time to take my girlfriend out for dinner or going to a party or whatever it may be. I would sit down and I would put in my calendar, like actually study or go to party. And I would put all those things in my calendar. Um, because then when I did them, I didn't have any stress. Like if I thought if I ever had that random flicker of moment of going like, Oh my God, I have a homework assignment. Or, Oh my God, I have a test coming up or, Oh my God, it's my one year anniversary. I never had those stressors because I knew I had that time planned out my calendar. And I knew I had time set aside to do that homework assignment or study or set those estimates or take my girlfriend out to dinner I knew it was in there. So I never had those, I guess, exterior stress weighing down on me because I planned for it. So I would just tell myself at a younger age to start doing that because I use it so much now. But if if I got here now, like I knew that at a younger age, who knows where I could be. You know what I mean? So was the sacrifice that you had to be a bit of a dork yeah. You had
2: to not be sponsored. That's it. I tell yeah. people that all the time. I say it's time to get a little dorky with age. By the way, if you're listening, you made your parents dorky. Time management didn't make your parents dorky. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, now I know why my parents are dork. No, time management makes you less dorky. Time management gives you freedom. Time management makes you in charge of what you do. You think with your young brain, I'm a dork. I'm not spontaneous. I'm writing down, go out with my girlfriend. I'm writing down, go partying. What made your parents dorky was you. Cause when you have a kid, they poop on you and you don't sleep and all of a sudden you're going to bed at eight thirty. kids make parents dorky, not time management. So you made the sacrifice to not be spontaneous and not wake up whenever the sun hits you in the eyes and set an alarm and have a schedule. And your friends are saying, Nick, you're such a dork. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters who, you know, tear that thing up how could you write us down your job's more important than we are and you're like no i'm going to live a purposeful life i'm going to live a planned life i'm going to have more fun than you and i'm going to get my stuff done and for the rest of my life you're going to be saying nick how do you have time for this and and nick you probably say how do you not have time i'm having more fun than you i'm going on more vacations i've got a better social life i've got a better girlfriend Because I sacrificed young and got a little dorky and took time to plan out my day. And you you said one year anniversary. How many year anniversary have you had? What's your Uh, with your girlfriend? How many anniversaries?
0: Different girlfriend
2: now, but same plan. We're not going to talk about that on this show. (laughs) We are not going to talk about that on this show. Well, Nick, a pleasure seeing you after it feels like a long time, but I guess it's just been a couple of years. And that's what COVID does to us. Pleasure, pleasure seeing you. I'm glad, Sean told me about all your success while we were talking by the way i don't know if you guys do this at your uh at your uh hotel for animals but while we were talking and i'm working from home today i could see my dog running back and forth in my living room because we play fetch indoors in my house we play fetch indoors i don't know if that's a big idea i don't know if you could bring that and spread it all around the country indoor fetch great for dog owners that are lazy kind of bad for dogs but great for dog owners Thank you so much for coming on the Edge of Excellence today. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.